0: so many different things that I had to die to and realize I had no power to do these things. I'm just asking God to do for them what I cannot do. Show yourself to your people. Show up. We wanted to go to where there was lost in the northern Mozambique because the centuries of Islam that were there, witchcraft, my first thought is what have I done? In this culture is what sustains their life. Who you marry, your health, whether or not you catch fish. Infant mortality rate is high. They live in fear of something happening to their children. When people come to Christ, for them it is a life and death decision. Is this worth When that wall fell down, it
1: was just a complete release to God. I no longer need to be afraid of these things. Our work in the
0: local villages spread across the bay through the influence of family members.
1: They had made professions of faith.
0: We're starting to see national believers go out as missionaries through persecution, through hard times. God has galvanized their faith far beyond anything that I could teach. Be still and know that I'm God. Adelina starts telling her story about how she has new life in Christ.
1: Okay.
0: God has been faithful to show himself in ways that I never would have expected him to show himself. It's only the work of the Holy Spirit. That tide is turning and momentum is building that God's kingdom is coming to this coastline.
1: I'm not crying because I'm sad. I'm crying tears of happiness. um, We'd love to know that you are with us today, so um, if you would, text um, us at the number 919-266-1613 and let us know that you're here. Let us know if you have any prayer requests that you would like us to pray for. uh, It's just a joy for us to have you and to know that you're with us today. a few other announcements. Um, we're gonna have a Lottie Moon in-gathering next Sunday, December 5th, um, for contributions for Lottie Moon, which is so important, as you can see. Um, there's also that Sunday, next Sunday, going to be um, an in- informational meeting about the Ecuador mission trip that's going to happen next year. So I'd love to have you go on that mission trip. So if you're interested, please, um, day after the service next Sunday, and we'll have a discussion about that. And then this Wednesday night, um, Josh Korth is going to be leading um, our fellowship um, time. We're going to have a, a dinner, and then a discussion on um, the LGBTQIA community, so that will be led by Josh, um, and that will start at um, s- 6 o'clock, and then at 7.30 there's going to be a choir um, time uh, rehearsal. So please join for that as, as well. That's a Christmas worship choir that anyone can join. Um, and then uh, I think that's it. Oh, I do think that. It's not on here. But the next um, couple Wednesday nights after that, there's going to be um, caroling. So join us for that on the coming Wednesday nights to, to uh, Area Nursing.
2: Awesome. Thank you, Lisa. Well, if you guys would go ahead and bow your heads, I'm going to lead us in prayer this morning as as we begin our time of worship through song. Dear God, thank you so much for the opportunity to worship you this morning. Lord, as we approach the Christmas season, as we begin Advent this morning, I pray that we fix our eyes on (laughs) you coming to earth, leaving perfection to take on flesh and live in this sinful world, uh, but to live a sinless life. And then ultimately, you die on the cross and rise from the grave, paying this sin atonement, paying the sacrifice, uh, being the sacrifice, Lord, um, that we can place our faith and trust in you and we may be saved, Lord. That's why we sing this morning. That's why we worship you. And so as we do so, Lord, I just pray you bless this time and we ask all this in your wonderful name. Amen. Congregation, if you would stand with us as we j- worship this morning.
3: in jesus born to set thy people free from our fears and sins release us let us find our rest in thee israel strength and consolation hope of all the earth thou art dear desire of ever. JOY OF EVERY LONGING HEART BORN THY PEOPLE TO DELIVER BORN A CHILD AND YET A KING BORN TO REIGN IN US FOREVER Now thy gracious kingdom bring. By thine own eternal spirit, rule in all our hearts alone. By thine own sufficient merit, raise us to thy glory. Um, thou long expected jesus born to set thy people free from our fears and sins release us oh our rest in thee
1: israel strength
3: and consolation hope of all the earth thou art of every nation, joy of every longing heart. Amen. Congregation, you
2: may be seated for a moment.
1: Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. In those days and at time, I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David, and he shall execute justice and righteousness in all the land.
4: That was Jeremiah 33:14 through 15. Christmas is said to be the most wonderful time of the year. And while it's easy for the holiday to pass by quickly, we encourage you to celebrate the true reason for the season. This Christmas, we invite you and your family to be reminded of the hope, peace, joy, and love the Bible gives us in telling God's great story. Advent means coming or arrival. Believers use this time of year to be reminded of the wonderful truths found in Scripture centered around the arrival of God's Son. So why did Jesus need to come to earth? Well, to find the answer, we can go back to the beginning in Genesis 3. As the first two people on earth, Adam and Eve walked with God in the Garden of Eden. But tragedy struck. We discover sin when Adam and Eve disobeyed God. Their sin cost them and us a close, intimate relationship with God. However, nothing would keep God from his creation.
5: In Genesis 3.15, God immediately gave a promise of hope to Adam, Eve, and us. He promised one day he would send a Savior to repair our broken relationship. He would send Jesus to pay the ultimate price and bring back which was lost. Sure enough, thousands of years after God's encounter with Adam and Eve in the garden, the Gospel of Matthew describes the fulfillment of God's wonderful, long-awaited promise when he writes, She, Mary will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. As Advent begins, remember why Jesus' arrival to earth was necessary. He came to restore what sin destroyed. Jesus came to bring hope to all people, giving them the opportunity to have a close relationship with God again.
2: Congregation, would you join us again by standing as we worship.
3: In the darkness we were waiting Without hope, without light Till from heaven you came running there was mercy in your eyes to fulfill the law and prophets to a virgin came the word from a throne of endless glory to a cradle in the dirt We sing praise the Father, praise the Son, praise the Spirit, three in one. God of glory, Majesty. We sing praise forever to the King of Kings. morning that you rose all of heaven held its breath till that stone was moved for good for the lamb had conquered death and the dead rose from their tombs and the angels stood in all for the souls of all who come to the father are restored and the church of christ was born then the spirit lit the flame now this gospel truth of old it shall not kneel it shall not faint by his blood and in his name and in his freedom i am free for the love of jesus christ who has resurrected me we sing praise the father praise- No. O oh, sing, O oh, ye bride. Let us pray.
2: God, thank you so much for the opportunity to worship you this morning through song as well as the preaching of your word, Lord. I pray now as we continue in this time of service that we would fix our eyes on you, the author and the perfecter of our faith. I pray as we lean in and begin this Advent season, this morning we're focusing on hope. And Lord, we have hope because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Lord, thank you for this time. and We ask all this in your wonderful name. Amen. You may be seated.
6: Welcome to the first Sunday of Advent. As we have brought out, it is the candle of hope, uh, the prophets, uh, the prophecies being fulfilled. At this time, we may uh, ask those who wish to go to We Worship to uh, join in the back. and uh, That's kindergarten under, and they may uh, join back there. And we ask you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 5. We're going to look at verse... 17 through 20, but we're also going to read from Matthew chapter 1. We're going to look at verse 21 through 23. As we are continuing our Bible reading plan, we find ourselves now in the book of Matthew. So those of you who got used to reading one chapter a week, well, <laughs> brace yourself, we're reading seven chapters uh, this week and so some of that being s- some of the best texts you'll ever read the Sermon of the Mount Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Uh, so we're going to finish off uh, reading into uh, this next year with reading the Matthew. And So we, what we're going to do is on Sunday we're going to take a selection of what we will be reading and uh, connect it with one of the themes of Advent. So this morning we're going to look at hope and fulfilled prophecy uh, and Matthew chapter 5 especially verse 17 through 20 uh, and so um, have you ever gotten in your car um, to do some errand and about halfway there you completely forgot what the errand was and it's just terrible and a distracted world that we live in by take by your laughter that you have been there um, or perhaps maybe you got to the store, and you thought, oh, what, what was I supposed to be getting here? Which is why my wife, helpfully, will send me a text, but she has a superpower. Uh, in her superpower is that she will only send a text of what we need to get after our check out, or I'm halfway home. <laughs> and it's not just with me, she does that with the kids, it, it's amazing. Uh, how she's able to do that i watched that i was able to be with her and i told her as she sent the text you know as you send this that they're already going to be checked out and uh, sure enough they came home it's like oh, we got it right as we checked out uh and so this idea of not really knowing what we're here for or why we're here or what was the point of our trip fortunately god doesn't operate like that jesus came for a purpose He need no reminders, and it was multiple purposes, and why God became flesh on Christmas morning that we celebrate. And so, for one of those reasons, we're going to look at that, and so I'm going to ask that you uh, read in your Bibles, if you'll read with me, you'll stand as we read in honor of this being the Word of God, starting with Matthew 1, verse 21, 23, and then we'll flip over to chapter 5. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Chapter 5, verse 17. do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you until heaven not an iota, not a will pass from the law is a kingdom. Therefore the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them, the kingdom of heaven. For I intend bless your right as that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom
2: of heaven. You may be
6: the law. Uh, we're going to look at the importance in verse 18. He says, The law and the problem. Law, Numbers, Leviticus. Think prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Proverbs. And so, is kind of his blanket way of saying, as as they often did, the Old Testament. The Old Testament has come not to abolish it, but to fulfill. It. It about the importance. The first thing, I'm going to kind of work backwards. We're going to start looking at verses 19 and 20 and then work up from there. But when we look at verse 19 and 20, we could simply say that the eternal destination is determined with the law. Our eternal destination is determined by our standing with the law. Now, as I bring that out, uh, that should not bring a lot of comfort to you. Uh, it doesn't bring a lot of comfort to me, personally. Uh, in fact, uh, we were looking over uh, some of the um, catechism that we children children uh, here on Wednesday nights. And uh, I remember thinking this as I read this. Uh, but you know, one of the ways is how do we glorify God? Well, the answer to that is we glorify God by knowing Him, loving Him, trusting Him, and, buying obeying, him, and buying obeying His will, commands, and law. So we glorify God by our obedience to the law of God. That's not good. Uh, Because it goes on And what does the law of God require? The adult answer is personal, perfect, and perpetual obedience. That we love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love our neighbors as ourselves. What God forbids should never be done. What God commands should always be done when you look at that detail and you think the law of God should always be done and what God forbids should never be done have you seen the bulk of the Old Testament and your Bible if you hold it up you know three-fourths of it is the Old Testament there are a lot of commands and yet right here it, it brings this kind of black and white God requires righteousness holiness, justice. He's set it forth through the law of God to know what it is. It's not just the Ten Commandments. The Ten are hard enough. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. And you go to the last one. Thou shalt not covet. These are two bookends that point to the same idea in which we are guilty continuously. And yet here we have it. The law of God. I am not comforted at all When I read this part, and it tells me that our eternal destination is determined by our standing with the law. Because when I read that, I don't have any, any hope. Because I've learned the law. In fact, Romans chapter 5, verse 20 says that law has come to increase the trespass and to increase our knowledge of sin. So we think about what is the point of the law? The point of the law is to reveal the holy nature of God. So the law comes to show us who God is, His otherness, His standards. But then it also comes to show us our need for a Savior. The law comes to show us our need for Savior. So we might say generally, you know what, I need more improvement. I need to be better in my life. I should do these things, and we'll we'll have these great life enhancement skills. But when we come to the law of God, it doesn't tell us that you just need improvement in certain areas. It reveals specific aspects of who we are. And so the law comes to increase the trespasses. But Romans 5.20 says, but where sin increase... Grace abounded even more. So when we read the word of God, it's not to give us life. You see this in Galatians chapter 3, verse 21. The law of God does not give us life. And so if we're living by the standard of these things I do and these things I don't do, and these are the, the standards by which I distinguish myself and which I judge everyone else, which is most of the world. We go by that. We are living by a law. But rest assured, that law cannot give you life. But yet, eternal destination is determined by fulfilling the law. It's kind of like a strike in baseball. You only get a strike in baseball if the ball goes over the plate. If the ball does not go over the plate, it's not considered a strike. So too, God's expectations of holiness is that he says, here's the plate, here's the law. And this is what conduct looks like. This is what our heart must look like. And if it veers off one bit, then it's not a strike. Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. And so this eternal destination is determined by fulfilling the law. This is not good news for us when we hear Jesus himself say that. Do you get that? When you look at Matthew chapter 5, and you see verse 20. Unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, the scribes and Pharisees were the most devout, they were the most disciplined. Uh, They had rules to prevent the breaking of the rules, they would uh, only eat certain things, they would have the first five books memorized. I mean, Leviticus, you know, Numbers. They would memorize it. So, so when Jesus makes this statement that if, if your righteousness doesn't exceed the scribes and the Pharisees, that would have been a, a moment of all those in that time thinking, oh my goodness. It's kind of like if Jesus said, if, if your righteousness doesn't exceed that of the nuns or the, the monks or whatever we want to present as moral exemplars uh, in our society, Jesus is saying, if it doesn't exceed that, then... There's no entrance into God's kingdom with you. And so, he goes on and, and talks a little bit about that uh, in verse 19. He says, look, if you relax one of least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same, we'll be called least in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Well, look at that, like, oh my, our position before God seems to be determined by this. I, I used to run track, and I didn't realize it, but... Uh, whatever my last uh, running time would determine the heat I would be in. And I remember it was the, the trial run, and, and uh, I was doing the 400, which is a miserable race. Uh, and uh, as I was going about, about halfway, three quarters over, which is you know just a, a, a dark moment in the race, I see the coach just screaming at me. And I mean, it's not like a go get him guy. It's, it's more like he's angry. And, uh, and so he just introduced a level of fear that kicked me up to another level of speed I didn't know I had. And, and so I came in, and I had a, a pretty good time. And, and what I didn't know, though, is that the next race would be determined by that. I was like, oh, no. I'm in this heat where the, it counts. Uh, it's, it's not just a practice. It counts, and I'm with all the other guys that are fast. And, and, it, and just, man, it ruined me mentally. So consequently, physically, I did came in last on that one. And so, understand that Jesus is saying there is an eternal rea- reality that is determined by the performance right here. This is not good news. But yet, Jesus is saying this. When I read verse 19, it lets me know that you cannot unhitch the Old Testament. Alright, that's been said. We should just unhitch the Old Testament. The Old Testament is given to show us something. And it's more than just our conduct. Jesus gets to it as we move up. Before we do that, let's look at the authority of this. And so uh, we look at eternal destination determined by standing with the law because certainty is given in the law. Certainty is is given in the law notice what jesus had to say about the law verse 18 for truly i say to you until heaven and earth pass away not an iota now that was the the smallest greek letter all right kind of like your I, the lowercase i not an, an iota not a dot and so this is just the smallest little stroke of a pen to write a letter all right So maybe that little dot above the I or the the little crossing in a T, uh, not a smallest letter, not even the stroke of a T, a dot of an I from the law will pass away until all is accomplished. In fact, heaven and earth may pass away before the law of God does. Now, remember what he's saying about the law of God. This is the Old Testament. Jesus is talking about the Old Testament. Now, the Old Testament was written by man, but God superintended and used the process. Now, people say, okay, well, maybe the, maybe the Word of God was written by God, but not the, surely the collection of it. I mean, man did that, right? Listen, you need to keep in mind that when Jesus made this statement, the Old Testament not only was written, but was collected by man and regarded as canon. So when Jesus says this, not only is the process of the writing, but the process of collecting and regarding what is of God has been uh, endorsed by Jesus when he says, look at the scriptures, not one jot, uh, one tittle, or one eye, one iota, one dot is going to pass away before heaven and earth passes away. When I read that also, not only is he talking about a blanket statement of God's process in the collecting of the word of God, this is also the statement that this word of God is supernatural, It's going to outlast the heavens and the earth. God's intentions will prevail. Even though someday the ground underneath us may not be the same. The sky above us won't be the same. Yet the word of God will be there. And so when we read this word of God, we can simply say like Isaiah said, The grass will wither and the flower will fade, but the word of the Lord stands forever. And so that's what we have, Jesus making this statement that there is certainty given. There is a a wedding that's going to take place this week uh, between Josh and Kylie. Uh, And so we're going to witness some vows being said, Uh, marriage vows. The idea of a marriage vow is to produce some certainty within a relationship. But as we know, the vow is only as good as the person. The vow is only as good as the person. When Jesus is making this statement, can you hear the vow? The vow that Jesus is making? This law will continue. It will endure and all will be fulfilled. Though earth may fall away, this will be fulfilled. And he is making his statement on it. The vow is certain. There's a limit to our reason. There's a limit to our experience. There's a a limit to our tradition. But God reveals what our experience cannot. God reveals what our reason cannot. God reveals what tradition is not old enough to tell us. God reveals. And so when we say that we are people of Christ, we are saying that we know by revelation Not just by faith, not just by reason, not by just observation. We know by revelation, and we are endorsing and following the statement of Jesus. Now, when you hear Jesus say this, understand, it's not just the letters in red. Okay? I know there's a point of us like, oh, I've got a red-letter Bible, and these are the words of Jesus. But one of those red letters is Matthew 5, verse 17, where Jesus says, I've come to fulfill the law, which means all the black letters in your Bible also has the same authority and power. All right? So remember that as we read the text. And so we go and understand that certainty is given in the law. Why? Why? Certainty is given in the law. What's the point? So that Christ is the fulfillment of the law. Christ is the fulfillment of the law. Uh, and you get that right then, in verse 17. Do not think I've come to abolish the law of the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. So all of the Old Testament points to Christ. Uh, this idea of he fulfills, it's more than he confirms it. Jesus is not saying I confirm the Old Testament. I fulfill it. And so literally fill up what's in the Old. Everything that the old points to, he's saying it's pointing to me. When you read Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, 15 says that Jesus is the beginning and is the creator of the heavens and the earth. And so when God said, let us be light, uh, let us make man in our own image is also Jesus speaking. When the Bible talks about God walking in the garden in the cool of the day with Adam and Eve, that's Jesus walking with Adam and Eve. When he, Jesus was talking to the Pharisees, he had questions about Abraham. And he said, You need to understand that before Abraham was, I am. When we look at this, And we see the examples of Adam and Eve and Cain and Noah. And then we go on down and you see Abraham and Isaac, Jacob and all of his sons. You don't look at this to say, hey, this is the the moral example I should follow. The Old Testament characters are not examples of morality for us. They are examples of reality. It shows, okay, if David can do that, then I can do that too. that's reality i have that same capability so david is not my example of morality jesus is given to us as the example of morality and so when we read the old testament it's not to say okay here's how they did it we should do the same thing and god would give us blessings no look at what they did and then consider how jesus is a better example of what they did and so you see that jesus fulfills the law by fulfilling the type so if you think of the old testament think of a black and white sketch jesus comes in and colors it the old testament is the cup jesus is the liquid all right so if you want the liquid you have to have the cup and that's where the old testament understanding the priest understanding the prophets understanding the kings helps us to have a handle more of who Jesus is but if you have the old testament but you don't fill it with Jesus then you just have an empty cup they go together and so we cannot abandon the one this is <clears throat> this next year we are uh, as a church our elders are going to present this uh but one of the things we're going to read next year in fact what we will read next year is the book of Genesis there's like 50 chapters but each week we're going to read one chapter of Genesis but we're also going to have the New Testament fulfillments within that reading all right the whole idea is that we read Genesis and we see Jesus okay Uh, and, and to show an example of how we are to read the Bible read the Old Testament you read it and you find Jesus uh, how is he pointed to? How is he contrasted? How is he prophesied? And so he fulfills the type. He fulfills the requirements of the law. He fulfills the requirements of the law. And so when we read it, when we think about all the behavior, the moral conduct of the Ten Commandments, we see Jesus obeying the Ten Commandments. And not only does he obey the Ten Commandments, we see him doing it for the right reason. His motive is to enjoy god and to enjoy the law and says, he says it is my pleasure to be a pleasure to god he lives that out so not only does he do the right conduct he does it for the right reasons and so he doesn't just show us what it is to obey god then he completes the punishment and the consequences one of the things that we read in the old testament is that if you disobey god If you disobey your parents, according to the Old Testament, intentionally, you know what the consequence was? It was not to be grounded and how you know it. It was to be grounded by throwing ground at you, to be stoned. You thought your parents were strict. That was what God was presenting. The consequences of sin was separation from the people and separation from God. Jesus came to fulfill the consequences of sin. He became cursed on the cross. He became separated from the people, scorned and spit upon. He became the sin for us and separated from God the Father himself, he became the consequence for our sin. He became the requirements. He became the punishment. But yet, you see in the Old Testament, things like uh, found in Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 33, that the law of God was to be written upon our hearts to say that he's going to change our motivations, our purposes. How does that happen? Jesus was the only way that would By loving us in such a way that He inspires us. He provokes within us. And by His Holy Spirit coming, He changes and writes the Word of God, the tablet of God's law in our hearts. So the law of God, what's the purpose? The law of God shows and reveals the nature of God, number one. Number two, the law of God also reveals our need for a Savior. And then number three, The law of God shows us the direction the Holy Spirit will lead us. All right? So we still read the old and the moral law to show us where the Holy Spirit will lead us as we follow him. But we do so now, not so that we're out of fear of God will kill me, but now out of a love because of God's gospel for us in Jesus Christ that his, his Spirit comes and writes His Word in our hearts, so now we want to love Him. We want to love people. And so if the old nature of our sin comes and rises up, we go back to the Gospel, go back to Jesus' love for us. So He sets to us a, a communion table, and He says, I want you to do this time of eating together in remembrance of Me, to know and remind yourselves of the motivation, the why, and the strength for the love for one another. And so with Jesus, not only does he fulfill the law, not only does he satisfy the requirements, but now because of the gospel, he has provided a way for us to walk with him, a walk with God. And that's why Jesus says, uh, no one comes to the Father but through me. I am the way. The way to come to God isn't just a step of conduct. It is now a heart that is enraptured by the love of God and filled with the Spirit of God. That is the way, the truth. So now it can be true that I'm right with God, not because of my doing, but because of the satisfaction, the example, and uh, the substitution of Jesus on my behalf. And so the truth now is I am a child of God because of what Jesus has done. And now He is the life. It is the life of God through God's Spirit that has been given to me. Christ is the fulfillment of the law. And we are the beneficiaries. And so that's why he says, verse 20, For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Because the scribes and the Pharisees knew an external duty, but had no faith and trust in the mercy of God. And so consequently was merciless and judgmental. But those who have been impacted by Jesus Christ, they realize that there is a poverty in spirit. And yet theirs is the kingdom of heaven, and with it there is a, a mourning of who they are. There's a mourning of sin, and I've shared that repentance is a is, is rehating of the sin. And so they are mourning that, and theirs is comforted. And, and with it there is a meekness to say, it's not by my doing, not by my measure, but by the measure and authority of Jesus Christ, I rest under him to have any hope blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness now that god has done this work in my life he's marking me and he's changing my desires he's writing his word in my heart i have a hunger and a thirst for new things hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be satisfied and now with that i've received mercy and so i show mercy Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. And as this work happens in our heart, I have new desires and I want to see Jesus. I want to see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And when there's a people who see God in their everyday, they become peacemakers because it's God who's made peace with them. But as they become peacemakers, they will be marked by the world as sons of God. And those who are sons of God in a dark world will be persecuted. But theirs still is the kingdom of heaven. This way of righteousness is not divorced, unhitched from the law of God. It is through Jesus that we experience what the law only hinted at. So, someone says, Pastor, if you're saying the law of God is unhit, is, is not hit, or whatever, is still effective, then uh, I trust you don't eat meat with cheese because that's not kosher. And here's the answer to that: Jesus is my kosher. He's my cleanliness. Well, how come you don't do any animal sacrifices anymore? Because the law of God talks about the law, the, the, the sacrifices. I mean, it's continual. And I say to you, Jesus is a better sacrifice. Well, how, how about a priest? You need some priests? I mean, surely you've someone representing you. Jesus is my better priest. Well, there's no temple. <laughs> Jesus, not only is the temple, he's made me his temple what about the prophets elijah elisha oh they were amazing men but none of them compares to jesus well, what about a moses i mean don't you care about social justice like like moses did jesus is a greater deliverer A greater rescuer. He could only take him through the Red Sea, but Jesus takes us through death itself. To Jesus, what about kings? I mean, I mean David, Solomon. (laughs) David the shaking. When we see a baby, their sins. I am a man. God, this one who came to say,
0: um, not to abolish
2: the good." It's because
6: of the temple. The so, what's needed in our life? Because we are dead. We lean on you,
2: so we need you, Lord. No, Father, thank you.